Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo and I'm joined by an absolute baller, my good friend Arman, back home in Zurich. It's been a while, winter has come, but here we are again, back by popular demand, fighting the cold. How is life, my friend? Good, good. Um, yeah, the the garden is full of snow. Uh, winter wonderland. My mom already set everything up, so nice, nice. Um, enjoying the football busy period as well. I'm loving that we have a midweek game as well. I even prefer that to I think Champions League group. group yeah, games. I hear you. I love a mid December. Yeah, I love Premier League it. game. It's yeah, it's so good. Like yeah. you're you're home anyway. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like, nice. I do, I do, I do think there's something to that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are 14 weeks into the Premier League season at this point, and the last game week will be the center of topics as we prepare. prepare as we prepare, it's a difficult word for hmm. a busy Christmas period. Uh, but let me ask you this, and this is completely off topic, of course. What's the worst refereeing decision you've ever witnessed live? Wow. Oh. You mean in the stadium or just live? Uh, either stadium or TV. Okay, okay. Just live, not, I mean, not yeah. watch the YouTube <clears throat> video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yesterday was a big one, of course. I thought, it's a good question. Just out of the top of my head is the Luis Diaz one, probably. Yeah, that's very recent. That horrendous Yeah, it's very outside. recent. I, 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 I can't imagine any... To be fair though, that wasn't a yeah. refereeing decision. That was a VAR. It was a VAR mistake. Yeah, yeah, I see you there. I see you. So maybe I'll I'll before I probably before... I probably say the probably the Frank Lampard one at the oh, World uh, Cup 2010. That's gonna I think that's, that's gonna a, rattle that's, a lot of British people's minds. I mean, that's a howler. I think I don't know how you how you missed that. I mean. Sure. I mean, the linesman probably should have seen it better. Yeah, hundred percent. That was it's, that was a bad. That one. was terrible. Yeah. yeah, for me, for me, it's a very easy one. I will never get over the the Nani sending off against Real Madrid in Sir Alex's last season, two thousand and thirteen. Oh, I remember that. I think that was. I think that's justified. This horrendous decision. It was. I think it's definitely the worst decision I've ever seen live on telly. That was. I mean, I agree with you. It's not a red, but for sure, there's worse. One. No, for me, what made it so bad was. The occasion. It was the fact that yeah, I, I, I remember at the time. Account. I no no no. But I'm I'm saying the worst refereeing decision I saw. You know, for me own personally, like that that was. I remember yeah. thinking United can't beat Real Madrid here. They're too strong. They've got Ronaldo. They they had Kaká, Mourinho at the helm, etc. United were kind of playing above their level, even with Van Persie, and then they turned up and performed, probably the best game of the season, and okay. then. They were beat a one nil up and everything, and and you know I'm a hundred percent convinced they would have you know managed to to see it out, maybe even score really? a second. Hundley, yeah, it was so, it was uh, like let me let me give like give me ten seconds to watch the tackle again because it's not that. It was one of those where like Oof. the it was Fergie's last season and and he just announced his retirement by the yeah, end but of you the can't that take that into no no, no account, I'm man. I'm saying for me for my own personal <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. like reaction to it right so it was there was a sense of this is the last chance he has at the Champions League oh we were, man it's a red bro no way he like there's no 
Bear in mind, to put it into context. You have to expect that there are nowadays. Nowadays, I completely agree with you. Nowadays, that's fine. But at the time, at the time, ten years ago, those he's trying to control the ball. There's nothing endangering the opponent. There's nothing malicious about it. There's nowhere. Anyway, let's not go there because it's a scar that that still hurts. I'm Um, just saying you have to be aware of other players on the pitch. Of course, it's never a red card, and it changed the trajectory of of that season massively which is a huge shame because it was a good season um let's let's have a quick chat about the euros uh the the euros draw was took place in hamburg on saturday the relevant two groups are the swiss one switzerland really wanted to to um, play in the opening game that honor has now gone to scotland they face germany Mm -hmm. in in group a's first game uh switzerland are in that group though with uh hungary the the last no, yes, Hungary, sorry, the last team to, to make up that group. An interesting one, I think, from a Swiss perspective. Germany struggling. What do we what are we what are your immediate thoughts as a Swiss fan? Yeah, tough, tough, really tough. I think Scotland are brilliant. I think they they seem to have a good window that they're playing now in the Euro. And um yeah, and with, with Hungary, I don't know. They they always seem to turn up in these big tournaments, and and Germany is going to be interesting because if they find their form, of course they will be favorites, and they probably will beat us. But um, I don't know. If, maybe maybe I don't, I don't know if they will recover by then. So maybe we'll have a chance. Big pressure on them. Big pressure. On yeah, them, for maybe. sure. As I the mean, host, especially. So yeah. I mean, I think if you're like third and you have a good, good point tally, I think you're through as well. So, I think that well, it's difficult. I'm not that confident to be honest. I'm really, I'm really not. But I hope we manage to get through in a way, and then there's always going to be like a bit of luck as well. Yeah, for Switzerland, it would be good to even qualify. The other group that interests is is England's group. In- much more doable group for England they yeah. they play Denmark Slovenia and Serbia Denmark obviously the last Euros uh, that big penalty call um, which which led to to England winning on extra time uh, easy group for Gareth Southgate can England go all the way do you reckon yeah England are my favorites this, this um, uh, I think they're in the perfect perfect window they have experience now in the big tournaments I think they're playing really good. I I I quite like the the development under Southgate. Uh, although he gets a lot of criticism, I think he has done really well. And I think they I think they're gonna win it. I'm 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 quite confident they're gonna win it actually. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think this this window that you're talking about is what I always look for in in teams that are about to win big. Um, maybe maybe Argentina are a bit of an exception to that, but the the last sort of big tournament winners they always had that mix of youthful talent coming through experienced players and a good spine of people between the ages of 24 and 29 in their prime kind of holding things up a bit and england are now hitting that peak you know like the spine with mm. with the likes of pickford maguire stones rice kane is a tiny little bit older but he he goes in there as well if people mm-hmm. like through the middle of the pitch, the spy they've they've all have their tournament runs. They've played in finals. 
they know what it takes and and yeah the big question is can they can they step up in the big moments and and they have this young and upcoming coming talent playing for Real Madrid who seems to be able to do that yeah so we'll see i mean if you compare it with like the last euros bellingham rice soccer phone these players at the last euros and they came they they go into the final you know yeah these players they took a huge step a yeah. huge and i think all those players took a huge step since then you know yeah. and you didn't even you didn't lose i mean you lost like people like henderson in a way like they're old now but it doesn't matter because the squad is packed and yeah and even henderson to, as yeah. as one of the older people can add a bit of experience a bit of composure yeah. maybe as a bit part player so i think that they judging by like just on paper the spine is hitting the peak just at the right yeah. time. It will come down to injuries and the big moments where you need players to step up. And, yeah. And we'll see if that happens. They do have the yeah. talent for sure. Yeah, need a bit always of the tournament. You need a bit of luck. Yeah. A couple of things we need to chat about uh, just in general before we turn our attention to the Premier League. Referees, we're going to talk about that in more detail later on, but... I do want to highlight this again because we saw some contentious decisions in the Champions League. There was obviously the big one at Manchester City. Does football have a problem with referees and the way they deal with them? I was watching the NFL on Sunday and and once again, it struck me how differently other sports treat their refs. This is obviously nothing new. We've We've known this. It's been well documented. But even though I thought the referees made some horrible decisions in the NFL game that I was watching, the players get on with the game. There's no dialogue. There's no, you know, you don't argue with the refs, essentially. Is this something, is this a problem in football that we 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 kind of don't respect referees enough? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's down to culture as well. I think... We grew up with this and we know it like that and that's why we do it, you know. And But surely education it's, it's changes just, culture. We need to educate yeah. the kids differently, no? Or, yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely. But if you look at the TV, the kids see that on TV and they think, oh, yeah. this is cool. Like uh, Ronaldo yeah. does it, so I have to do it. Like almost if, you, if you're being fouled and it's not a foul and you don't um like go to the referee and scream at him it's almost like you're weak and in a way like you don't have the you don't play you, smart yeah you don't play smart and maybe you you dived or something like that like it, it sends out a message i think but yeah i mean it's for sure i mean i think Ange postgraduate said something very interesting he grew up being afraid of referees you know and that's probably the case in the nfl as well like you the, the the referees like a policeman in a way like you respect this person yeah there's gonna be some discussions but you don't want to get uh, booked or I don't know what's the 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 sentence in in, in the NFL but they they like throw flags on the floor but yeah yeah I know what yeah, you mean you I know what you, you mean yeah that, I don't think that... get so I think it's it's cultural and and maybe is that NFL a, is that a problem a more of a cla- do, do, classy do, sport in a way like I, I'd probably disagree with you there, but do you use that culture, right? I mean, culture, we don't want to, it's always very difficult to, yeah. to rate or judge a culture, but is that something that you think needs to change in football? Is that something we just kind of, 
we've we've lost the like the boat has the ship has sailed we can't change that anyway it is what it is yeah. what where do you stand on this yeah is it too late yeah maybe it's too late i don't know maybe it's difficult because i mean even myself i'm not sure about you i, I have to like say I'm my i'm not that great with referees and i'm not uh uh like a a good example here so who am i to like charge these players so i i always have it 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 doesn't make me sound well but i always think like subconsciously i can um influence the referee if i make like if i talk to him nicely and maybe say oh this was a foul you got that wrong even though it wasn't so i i'm i'm like trying to influence him in a way that he always has to compensate me with giving us a penalty in some way. And if there is just a small chance that we're going to get it, then I will do it. If I sense this, this weakness in him. So it's not, I mean, it doesn't sound very nice. I, I'm going to be honest. It doesn't, but when I'm, I don't know when I'm on the field, I, I don't really care about that. And that's maybe the problem with most of the players. And I, I, yeah. Yeah, I I hear you, and and you know it's what they call the dark arts now. What Argentina yeah. were, were famous for at the World Cup last yeah. year, and and it, again, I, mean, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a cultural small thing. I'm not I'm not like no no no. Of course, I'm, I'm it's not it's not a, for it's him. playing the game to your advantage. At the end of the day, it's influencing yeah, another human being. It's trying to you know gain some sort of advantage for your team. Yeah. Another thing that uh, I, I one of the things that I always crave for right with with these. For me, for me, football is is much more is much is much more important than just a sport that I like watching. Right, I I look at football in a very forensic way. I look at how our clubs structured. How do they? What do managers say? What do they really say? What do they say between the lines? What can I learn? What can I take out of football and adapt to my life to to take lessons from to learn from? You know, constantly and and this refereeing thing is is really this the same or is a, is a really an interesting one because it's one of those things where i i so many things i don't understand about it there's there's no communication from referees so it's very difficult to actually abstract things and take things out and, and kind of understand the way of thinking behind a referee and behind the whole refereeing body, actually, you know, because even with the FA, you get statements from the FA, you know how they're going to react to certain things. You can sort of predict certain outcomes of, of situations. You know, they're going to treat racism less harshly than, I don't know, violent. you know, there's, there's there's a bunch of, there's patterns that sort of come out. And with refereeing, it's just, it's so opaque. I can't see through it. It, it. Like there's no transparency whatsoever. No, it's this it, PR statement. Or, exactly. And then they at one yeah. week they apologize. The next week they charge someone for making comments. And it's just none of it makes sense to me. And, and it really baffles me. And it also really angers me. And again, we're going to pick this up at a later point in this pod, but it's just the lack of, of cohesive communication really, really bothers me and uh, makes it very difficult to to also forgive and within that to respect because if i and i'm a hundred percent sure right and we we discussed this as it happened on the pitch yesterday if the ref after him he's made the mistake right if he holds his hand up and he like holds his hand up in a way that you can immediately see he knows he fucked up right you're like 
oh fair enough okay he he sees he sees he made a mistake okay that like human human error he he controlled the game really well until that point or he comes out after the game gives an interview says listen guys i'm really sorry i understand the magnitude of this i should have let play run i should have let Grealish go if there's some sort of of communication so i can get an insight an idea into what's going on behind the 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 actions then I can start putting things together, but I can't, and I don't like it. It makes me so angry, and it really frustrates me because I can't. What? Why would you let play run and then stop? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and the same yeah. with with the handball. Newcastle got cheated from. Like, what goes on? Yeah. What's the fault there? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. get to that. I went on a rant here, and I wanted to speak more mm-hmm. about the the Italian league in particular because Inter just like played really well against Napoli winning 3-0 our national goalkeeper Jan Sommer who's playing absolute pants for the national team at the moment um is doing bits for them talk to me about Italian football we documented it last year when Hashi came on the pod a couple of times they they did really well in Europe where do you see Italian football at the moment well I don't know if I'm the right person to talk about this because I only like watched the uh, three four minute highlights of a big match. Yeah, and that's about it. I, um, yeah, is that a, is that, that's also a sign uh, though, right? That's a yeah. sign that despite them doing well and, yeah. and having interesting players, yeah. you don't really, you don't really pay attention to it. Yeah, the thing with me, maybe it's because of my. I think I I grew up support like watching the Bundesliga and the. Super League like very closely and then the Premier League came like when I was 14, 15 into the picture. So these three leagues I I follow so intensely. There's almost like no space. Like there's almost like really no space for anymore. That's I think one reason. And the other reason is when I do get the opportunity to watch a big game, it's most of the time disappointing. Yeah. And that I don't know if that's like bad luck or for me is the same exact reason why I don't watch yeah, a lot of and, Spanish football as well. It's yeah, just a bit I, boring. Yeah, I watch the classicals and, and but other than that, like I'm really like in a I watch football like, always like with a bit of an emotional touch as well. Is there really like a game where like wow this atmosphere is gonna be crazy and like in in in, in Spanish football by the in other than their classical, I don't really. There's not really a game like a derby game which excites me. Like there's not really so like when you I mean, for example, like Köln Gladbach, I I watch that game often because I think the the passion and the the like the jeopardy and the box to box play and the and the, an interesting the point that you make for yeah, me it, for me that doesn't really play a role at all because for me yeah for for me and I'm sure because, I'm sure yeah. we have listeners now Hashi for for example who will be screaming at us going well have you heard the atmosphere no 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 i I said to spanish football actually it's fair but still i'm sure even even joran will be like yeah but watch the sevilla derby and you'll see something hostile you know so i'm sure that there's there's other examples of that i think it's the proximity like you said you know with a a a lot of swiss players in the bundesliga much many more than in other leagues so automatically our news cover the the bundesliga more for for me, the biggest difference is just the premise so entertaining. I mean, we've had like a three three and a four three for like yeah. five out of the last six game weeks or something. It, four, it's four ridiculous. Or yeah, it's ridiculous. Like crazy, crazy games. Yeah. And having said that, let's get into it and let's start where it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United lost again to Newcastle. 
both teams played in Europe in midweek. United, both teams drawing away in Europe, actually. United in that crazy game against Galatasaray and, and Newcastle, we mentioned, conceding to that late penalty goal by Mbappe in Paris. I'm going to ask you about this, but I want to go first. I, My good friend Dan just sent me a um an Instagram reel of Gary Neville and I think you you sent me a screenshot of that today where where Gary Gary Neville talks about United and and he says he's he's bored of them he's bored of watching his own club and and he's tired of it it's the same cycle all over again and and it makes him sad and these are emotions and 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 quotes that I've been going through or relating to at least for for pretty much many years now and and I know a lot has been we've made fun of this as well me saying I support City and there's still a United shirt behind me in the room but but the the truth is and I've told you this off the pod the truth is that I grew up loving this football club because it meant something to me it, it stood for something it stood for hard work for that never say die attitude that Fergie installed it stood for for homegrown players working hard to ex- eclipse the talent of expensive transfers for our rivals of of yeah of, of this it just stood for something for me as a kid and and something that I I love and fell in love with it made me fall in love with football that that treble winning season which we all know united weren't the you know the 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 city team of last year just utterly dominant but the the amount of times they by sheer willpower and mentality, they turned games around last minute and they always fought to the death. And, and that meant a lot to me. And as a football fan, you're under pressure by your own loyalty because you have to, if you, if you support a club, you have to, you almost have to support it for the rest of your life. But people change and in, in football club, people come and go and with new people comes new mentality. And when that thing or those mentality the mentality that you fell in love with changes the club's approach changes then suddenly you're exposed to a a different something something you might not fall in love with or you might would you would you would maybe not have fallen in love with as a kid and that's exactly what's happening at man united the, the a change in structure a change in idea a change of of clear line where you want to go of clear leadership of good leadership and that's making it really difficult as a united fan to stay loyal and that's why you've accused me as well of not being a loyal fan but to me it's less about that i actually think the club hasn't been loyal to its fans because the fans have supported something and i think the club has gone a different direction a different direction to to where the fans first and foremost signed up and this has been happening since 2005 and when the glazers took over but a lot of been has been glossed over by david gill at the time and sir alex of course but since then the club has decided to go a different direction and i actually think the loyalty goes the other way the club have decided to do something that i was never behind and this complete lack of leadership the complete lack of attitude the complete lack of of character that we continuously keep seeing is really dire and really hard to watch. And then it's very easy to look across town and go, hey, hang on, so many things that we once stood for and we once supported are happening at Manchester City right now. 
very clear idea of how they want to play, the very clear idea of how the club is structured. Yes, there's 115 charges against them, which we're not going to get into at this point, but I don't condone that by any way, shape or form. But from what you can see, and I've said this before, the way they handle themselves, even the way they handled themselves after that refereeing decision is really admirable. And what Gary Neville said about watching United, he doesn't want to do the games anymore. He's he's tired. He's bored. The opposite of that is true when I watch Manchester City. I enjoy watching them so much. They play such good football. Every single pass is signed signs up to a concept i've I've said this before many times on the pod and from that point of view yes 100 percent, manchester city have given me more joy than man united so of course again loyalty fandom it doesn't allow me to to switch sides but in that sense i completely feel with gary neville and Wednesday night when we play manchester when we i say we when united play chelsea i'm going to be at the cinema i'm not going to watch the game that's where I'm stood. That's what I've got to say about the 1-0 against Newcastle. And now you'll tell me why Newcastle are so much better with the same amount of injuries than Manchester United are. By the way, I think you're 100% right. But uh, for me, if I can speak on this topic... For... Of course you can, of course. Is Of course, when Arsenal were finishing eighth and losing European finals... Of course, after that, you feel flattened and you feel like the ownership has let you down. And like you're not when when we finished eighth and we're just going through the motion in the season. Of course, I didn't express the same joy when we scored a goal than now, because it's just like if we finish eighth or ninth, it doesn't really matter. But you always you oh, I think I always I always turn on the TV and that I don't think ever will go away. No matter because it's not a, for me. It's not about structure or ownership or direction. Of course, there's an aspect to it, but it's just it's just that always there. There's a glimpse of hope and a glimpse of like, and today's another and it starts in zero zero again. Uh, today's another day and like today. But see, this is very interesting win. because I will immediately contradict you there because one of the things that we discussed very recently on this pod is the fact that you missed those patterns of play that made you fall in love with Arsenal, right? For you, Arsenal stands yeah. for celebrating football, for playing football the right way, for playing yeah. attractive football. Things that, interestingly enough for me, were never as important when watching United as a kid. I wanted them to play well, but I never needed yeah. them to score yes, all these great culture, tingles. Different culture. But that's what I mean, right? You love Arsenal because they stand for something, because they, they have that. And Yeah, so, I started to love them because of them. Yes. And so even when they lose... That they, you can see that they're trying to play the right way for whatever reasons. The recruitment is bad, what what have you. But at least you had the idea of of what Arsenal stands for. You know, yeah, the players I know like Özil and, and Sanchez, and Alexis yeah. Alexis Sanchez in his prime. That brought that to the club, right? That you can you see, mean. you can recognize that. Yeah, but you couldn't recognize that when we finished eight. I mean, of course, we tried it. But yes. if you lose, but I think that makes possession a big But pitch, I think no. You, but I think you lose possession of the pitch and you score all the time. And it, it doesn't matter if of you course, want to play nice. Of course, completely, completely with you on that. But I think the fact that you just said that they tried, I think that makes a big difference. With this Man United team, with Man United teams of the last ten years, there was a lot of times where I didn't see that. Whatever, I mean, he's getting a lot of heat, and I don't want to 
add on, but whatever Rashford was doing at St. James Park the other night, that wasn't trying. And that's where yeah, I really struggled. Yeah, but we had that as well. I mean, Nicolas Pepe didn't run back at the pitch as well. Of course, for two years. of course. But you have, again, I mean, we're, we're going, I don't want to go into too much detail. Rashford is a homegrown player. He's meant to stand for what the club stands yeah. for. He's meant to have the DNA. Pepe is like a 50 yeah. million flop, of course. But on the whole, you know, looking at it as a as a whole, you you see the the direction the club wanted to go. And especially that's yeah, why but... I remember this even under yeah. Arteta's first season, you know, when you I know I remember eight, this well. Yeah. And there was so much optimism, you know, yeah. and I wouldn't mind. I would I would love a season like that. I would not give a fuck if we failed to qualify for Europe. But I saw yeah. a bad team fighting back every game, managing, fighting to like what Newcastle are doing. Right. I fucking love that. I, I admire them so much for. Yeah. Yes, we have all these injuries. Yes, everything's going sideways, but we're going to field a team that, let's ignore the Bournemouth game, that will field a side that will fucking fight tooth and nails every single match and try and... And Seth said this when he was on the pod, right? Newcastle fans don't want a team who wins. They want a team who tries. And every single week they're doing it. And I find that so inspiring. Yeah. And, and with United, all those values that they stood for in regular more regular than un- irregular uh, gaps is just missing. It's not there. And it's yeah. really depressing. And that's I why mean, I get I that. sign up. I get that 100%. But like we were in a similar position, like even worse position. And we questioned the owners. We questioned every, I mean, we have similar owners, like American owners. Yeah, mate. From the spending, it's, it's quite the same. So it just needs a moment like, like, a new coach or a new player and all of a sudden like i, I thought we were I'm, we're not going to compete for 20 years because of our owners and because of uh, the way the team is structured and the club is structured but then arteta and edu comes in two guys and all of a sudden yeah it takes four three years but like i wouldn't i don't think you can question i wouldn't like question the whole idea of manchester united no but i do i completely do because what those two did it's not just they didn't just show up but you, and everything but i can changed. tell you united will be back i, I will come i mean they might well be they, they be might be. they might well be if if you know this these these things happen in cycles of course but things don't magically just appear you know like what arteta and edu did is they were yeah. allowed to take time to forensically change the club we discussed this as well you and i about rangnick saying last year this is a this is a heart operation that need you know a heart yeah. surgery that united needs yeah. you know it's not just we buy a couple of right players wrong place we've done that now united have done that di maria yeah. falcao ibrahimovic pogba they've bought quality players that have done really well elsewhere it's not yeah they've have they've tried van Hal, they've tried their own coach in oli they've tried Mourinho. there's no way all these coaches are what the problem like they, they, they've they all yeah. just been come bad coaches or something yeah. no it's it's it goes deeper than that if every second season these players go through a slump there's an underlying problem that needs addressing yeah. and maybe yes a couple of a couple of humans given the right amount of responsibility given the right platform to to do their jobs can change the whole mentality. Absolutely. That's what I, I I think also that's what Arsenal fans identified when Arteta came and why there was so much optimism, right? Because 
there was a yeah, shift in mentality. There. Exactly. Yeah, there was a shift in yeah, mentality yeah. and he was allowed to cook. He was allowed to cook and he was allowed to be like, I'm going to chop this up and do this and do this and do that even yeah. before I touch a pan. You know, uh, and, and, and the, people and were the like, sacrifice okay, was finishing eight to, exactly to twice yeah. in a row. And people were like, yeah. that's fine. We trust that if you we we see how you're chopping the onions, we see how you're preparing the the mm -hmm. I don't know how you you know mise en place whatever whatever you want to call it. Sucker we're gonna trust that what you're cooking will taste nice. Yeah, and way sooner than people actually believed, especially rival fans hoped, you're now in title races. Yeah, and. That's not just uh, one or two people and it all changes. No, that's like a club creating an environment to be yeah. like, this is where we want to go. This is the plan. That's how we're going to execute it. And it's been yeah. 10 years now since Sir Alex retired. And I've really not seen that in at least nine mm. and a half. You know, they tried for half a season with Moyes and it was a train wreck. So, yeah. But I think then, as a, yeah, where, the way I see, I mean, I agree again, but the way you just said, like, I'm not going to watch the game, that's that's fine. But I just don't agree with it because I think as a fan, you just got to be keep banging on and just keep supporting and just keep being there. And I mean, it, it doesn't change because you don't go to the game in the stadium. So maybe it doesn't really have the effect, but you just have to have to be that force who has to be there all the time. That's my. Of course, you don't. Of yeah, course. yeah, of course. I mean, of course, you're going to be angry off the pitch. But during these 90 minutes, I think a fan should just give their all. And then you can go and question stuff again. And rightly so. I mean, you shouldn't be blind. I mean, but no. I think during those 90 minutes, you just have to be there. And I mean, yeah. from the TV, it doesn't make a difference. But I think, especially when I go to the same, I think this responsibility, I will always feel so I can say I've done my part. And it's now up to you. Like I will, I will uh, break my voice, like in a way. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you mean, and and I, I listen. I it's the first game, this especially in the bad watch. times. You know, it's the first time. The bad it's the first time I really like half deliberately made plans while United were playing every <laughs> other every other game this season. Yeah. I will always watch, and I will watch it angrily, but I will watch it, and I will. I jumped up in like arms when Garnacha did what he did, and Bruno scored his his belter against Galatasaray of course you yeah. do of course I can't just click a switch because there's a lot of emotional attachment as well as the yeah. sort of the ideology behind it that that interests me so so it's not as easy as I make it yeah. sound of course but yeah the the predominant sensation is that uh, yeah the other side of it is also that I just really want to go see Taika Watiti's new film and, and I've got two free <laughs> tickets for for an yeah. viewing so I'm excited <laughs> so, you know but yeah and listen just on finish finishing sentence, I think yeah. United need to really take responsibility because I'm sure you're not the only fan feeling like this. And it's a especially like like fans who are really passionate, like to to be witnessing this sort of like like Aaron ever said, this boredness, this like no, there's no energy. This is this is a really I mean what the Glazers did is is really really bad and like heartbreaking in a way like the way the the club is rottening in a way so they have to i mean they shouldn't sleep well at night that's no, just and, and i say. fear they don't give a fuck at all no i fear as well yeah <laughs> five five minutes ago i actually on my schedule was going to talk about the liverpool game um, yeah. instead we're out of time for that so i'm just going to take a minute to let's just say trent is amazing and then we can finish. trent 
not only because of his shoes. I fucking did you see the predators? Oh, I didn't straight see them, no. Oh my <laughs> goodness! It, he's got like he, they, he he signed a contract with Adidas and he's wearing like Beckham esque. I'll put them in the thumbnail for this podcast. Okay. You'll see them like they're like Beckham esque with the big lace that like goes under the shoe. It's it's fucking mint, and he's got two and two and. He should have really had three and two really with them, but just the thing of beauty, old school Adidas <laughs> shoes. And um, yeah, I mean, I, Klopp said it after the game. He's never been part of a football game with that many beautiful goals. I mean, Trent scored yeah. a couple of, of I mean, the, the free kick in particular was a fucking yeah. worldie. And McAllister is as well. Like, probably technically the best one on the day, I thought. Probably, yeah, I yeah. am. And uh, Endo as well with a with a fucking belter of a goal. So it's a really really cool game again. Premier League live. I wanted also to talk about Fulham because they're a bit on a weird one. Did well against United. Did well against Liverpool. Lost on both occasions. Even though probably they deserved a point at Anfield for for how they played. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna go into the whole title race when we get to the Manchester City segment when we talk Man City versus Spurs. For now, after a lot of emotional outpour and, and therapy, let's take a break. And we're back to discuss the Manchester City versus Spurs game. And maybe I'll recap the game first. It was another one of those mad games where six goals got scored. Uh, Hyunmin Son scoring two goals to make it 1-1 after 10 minutes. Yes, you heard that correct. Um, then Manchester City, really dominant in the first half, uh, took the lead before half halftime, uh, and then Spurs managed to equalise to make it 2-2 before Jack Grealish scored in the 80th minute, what looked like the winner. And then, yeah, we have to say, Ake... Uh, Failed to defend the sec the second post, much like Wan Bissaka or Dalot would do, and Kuluzewski rose above him like a salmon to score the equaliser, which was not the biggest talking point of the game because in the ninety fifth minute, I I mean I'm going to try and explain this, but basically the game is at three three. <laughs> ninety five minutes are played. Rodri plays the ball into Haaland, who is fouled by. Emerson, I think it was. I'm not sure actually. This could be I wrong. Either anyway, Davis, someone someone brought him down. <clears throat> and Haaland immediately gets up, turns, and plays in with like a tremendous pass for a center forward, plays in Grealish. He's through on goal, onside, through on goal. Simple as that. And I don't think anyone's catching him. Maybe with a last ditch tackle, but you're risking a red card. And the referee brilliantly signals to play the advantage. And as soon as the ball reaches Jack Grealish, he stops that advantage. And City fans are incensed. City players are incensed. Haaland is particularly incensed. I'm sure you've seen the meme of him complaining to the ref, which is quite funny. Understandably so. Huge moment in the title race. Huge moment in the game. Huge moment for Manchester City season. And he got it just so woefully wrong. The game ends 3-3. City were denied the chance to, to score that last-minute winner. We've spoken elaborately about refereeing and refereeing decisions. I was really, really mad. Really mad, as if I'm an actual City fan. I was really upset because I felt robbed of... And you said this in the group chat as well, I want more extra time. 
like this was such an entertaining game you wanted more added time to just keep on watching because it was just so end-to-end both teams really going for the win and and you just felt like the ref who controlled the game I have to say really really well there was no contentious decisions he just completely controlled it he was really in command and I I don't understand how wrong you can get it in that situation it's such a monumental fuck-up and I actually think the outrage isn't big enough and there is an outrage on the socials but the outrage isn't it's a huge mistake i mean what are you doing what were your thoughts when you saw that happening yeah same as you i didn't i didn't understand it i mean i i like you you almost in a way you sort of think oh how did the referee might see this or this maybe could have happened like he did a mistake there or i just i, I can't i can't really explain it in from his point of view i can't there's no way out in a way like and that my conclusion from this is like almost it's moment it's just a moment of panic like it's just it just in a way the the game was at this last phase and it was also heated and maybe he was confused he should have blown the whistle he was not quite at it just some moment of complete panic that's the only and that's why i think you you were right at the start like we don't never hear anything from these referees. Like we, like I know what I heard. Like from the Premier League, they don't want like the referees to give an interview only when they have a bad performance because then, when they have a good performance, nobody really wants to talk to them. Um, but in a way, I would, oh, there has to be something like some maybe game report with like every game and maybe some key decisions you have like the comment from the referee something just give us something because like that is just like oh my god we don't we don't have a clue what was that about we don't have yeah. a single clue. and then and then the other thing that happens is these the tv pundit referees right the ex-refs Dermot yeah. Gallagher is a favorite on on yeah. sky they and it, they do it in english tv and german tv and yeah actually in german tv they don't do it but in swiss tv they do it as well where they the referees it. will just completely back their refereeing yeah. mates yeah. just blanket whatever the decision was it's the right decision mm. and Dermot McGallagher then comes out and goes well playing an advantage is subjected to the ref he doesn't have that so according to the book he did nothing wrong and you're sat there going but so it was are you telling me that's the right decision because if you are then you don't understand the game of football yeah like yeah, it's it's always the thing with like advantage you you're there's like you have to understand punishing, the game yeah exactly you're punishing yeah. the fouled team for playing on and trying nah. to keep that like that it just it, in no way shape or form and if yeah, there is yeah. if that is the law then the law doesn't make sense so something's broken here other question would have yes. really scored i don't think so <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> I actually think he would the, have been The ball caught. was bouncing, the bouncing a bit yeah. as well. It was on his yeah. left foot. Yeah, I somehow feel, but but you have to you have to let him run. Yeah, that no... doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't take into account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and in the game, in the time of of letting the game breathe and and like play of waiting with the flags raised and and all the rest of it, like just the the, the haste to blow this whistle, it it feels. I don't want to say rigged because Erratic. I don't actually believe it. Don't, I don't believe in in rigged. Yeah. Reps, but... a, a colleague of mine put the put the bet on the game that Man City will, oh, will win. Imagine and imagine. and and he and he was today like in the class. He was like, "This game was rigged one hundred percent. Spurs paid the referee. I'm one hundred percent sure. I want my money back." <laughs> That's the absolute scene. I don't believe in that. But okay, yeah. 
now that we've discussed this and then we know it's a horrible decision and, and there's no real other way of, of putting it let's talk about the game a bit more about the football part of the game because there was a lot of football to be watched and, and uh, we've had contrasting opinions on Spurs in recent weeks. They've lost three on the bounce, and now they've rescued a draw from... Do we call it rescued? Salvaged a draw from the Etihad. Son back on the score sheet after I've routinely dumped him out of my FPL to replace him with Darwin. Um, don't want to linger on that for too long. Um, but where do you see Spurs at the moment? Is it... Lots of injuries, top four. You were quite impressed with how they played despite the injuries. You were quite impressed pressed with Postecoglou. I had a different opinion. Do you still have that opinion? Yeah, I'm still very impressed with the way they play. Um, but yesterday, I'm always torn as well. I don't have a clear opinion on this. Playing always the way you want and developing that style no matter what, no matter where you go or adapting and maybe go long once more because, I mean, they gave deft goals away and they could have done, I think, they could have conceded like five. Like, you normally say like, yeah, they could have conceded seven like because of some chances, but they honestly could have conceded five or six. No problem. No problem. Like, even with a bad... Uh, effectis- effectiveness of City it could have been 6-7 easily so yeah I think Spurs are going to have I think Spurs fans are going to have a lot of fun this season honestly I think they will always play offensive they yeah, they will concede some goals but I think it will get better when, when the centre-backs are back and Madison is back I'm very impressed and I'm very frightened in a way that he managed like even with like Arteta he developed the style for so long and you see this from Ange, like after one month, so yeah, let's see how this goes. I'm not, I'm not so happy about the development of, over there, but um, yeah, I'm very impressed. Even against Aston Villa, I mean, they hit the post at the start, and yeah, you're gonna say it's Spursy, and I will always cherish that. But I think they were just unlucky in a way. <laughs> I'm and, not saying that to please you, by the way. Yeah, I know. But I think that were just unlucky against Spurs and against Chelsea, of course. They had very bad luck. And I think, to be honest, if they didn't have the injuries, they would be up there. And I would not say up there like all the way, but I'm I'm just really impressed. And I, I'm hating it that, I, that I'm that impressed. I Honestly, I, I just hate it. Let me some, Let me offer some perspective for an Arsenal fan then. <laughs> I'm actually not as impressed as I thought I would be. I was very impressed the first few games and like you, very admiring of how quickly Postacoglu managed to implement his style of play and, and how quickly the players bought into it. I had a lot of fun watching them. I had a lot of fun watching their attack develop. Um, I was also very impressed with, with the, the midfield two, which you mentioned previously, you're not, you're not sure on. Having watched them lose three games on the bounce, Chelsea, Wolves, Arsenal, they should have lost to City yesterday. Yeah. I The manner in which they lost against Wolves and Aston Villa was so spursy that I'm like, this team can play the most attractive football in the world. Mentally, they have a long way to go still. And I'm not saying they can't challenge for top four, for top five, maybe Champions League, something like that. But to really become a menace on like the levels that Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City are 
long way to go long long way to go because of exactly what you said you know the 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 need to whatever happens don't compromise your style of play we've seen it in i would have i was going to say most but actually i'm going to change that to all successful managers they've always adapted when they needed to adapt guardiola right thought he could win everything by playing one meter 60 tall lads with with you know in, in england couldn't do it can't do it and now he has a team of center backs four center backs and harlan rodri on the pitch he adapts you adapt to to fit your needs and, and arteta as well you know lost the league narrowly but play beautiful football this season what we're seeing is a very resilient arsenal and arsenal intent on not conceding goals and maybe maybe not we'll see what what happens they'll they'll it'll lead to more success so you can see in good managers they adapt and Postecoglou needed to adapt against Wolves. If you if you're one nil up in the 90th minute and you don't win that game, that's the sign of a of a really mentally weak team. It can happen once, sure, but this is not a coincidence because it's not the first time it's happened. I suppose. So I'm, mm. yeah. But you have to see that it's there's. All, I mean, I agree with that. Um, I agree actually with all of it, but also like. There's no way you can change mentality in this short amount of time. Like, and I, I'm not sure. I don't know if if Ange is the right guy for that specific trait. But yeah, it, I think it's just it's just lazy to always say Spursy because it happens to other clubs as well. I mean, but imagine if if City conceded that goal. I mean, they did concede that goal in the last minute, and no one's saying, "Oh, like this is typical," because. It doesn't happen maybe that often, yeah. But I think this Spurs is just it. It happens to a lot of teams, and then when when Spurs do it, it's almost like this this complete questioning of everything. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you I, do I, need I to want... you do need to question: is the are you looking for the pattern, or is yeah. the pattern screaming at you? And yeah. I, but I think there is a change in mentality. I think because when they come to the Emirates, normally they get battered, like. They do. I mean, even if they're like 17, 18, they finish second, but we battered them at the Emirates because for some reason they just can't handle the Emirates. But the way they played the, this time at the Emirates really impressed me. And I, I, I think I see, I see a change of mentality as well. Medicine I'll, on the pitch, I mean, helps a lot. I'll finish by saying mentality. it's all fun and games as long as they have nothing to lose and then they crumble. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Famous, famous words by Sir Alex, lads, uh. it's Spurs. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's genius. It's genius uh, by... But told can't believe by... that I'm so positive about Spurs. Wow. Yeah, and I can't I'm believe so... that I'm not because I've always had a soft yeah. spot for them. Um, like a routine. Okay. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've spoken about Manchester City a lot before, but so let's, let's maybe surpass them and, and discuss title race. We have... We have a title race, and we might have three teams competing for the title. Yeah. Where uh, um, where do you see those three teams? Do you <laughs> like put your fandom aside for a second? Do you think Arsenal are the strongest of the three? No, no, I don't think any reasonable Arsenal fan would say this. Of course, City are better. I mean, they're way better. But maybe there is a bit of a I don't know, treble, hangover, whatever you want to call it. And we're just very hungry for this Premier League and for the Champions League. We're like, we're right there, you know, we're so, in and everything is so intense, which always, always goes into negative in a way. But 
Yeah, I heard like um I always watch a lot of like reviews about the title race because I'm so it it interests me so much and I'm so involved because I'm an Arsenal fan. And and um Ian Wright said something that completely calmed me in a way that I wasn't this season and he said Arsenal are top by two points and they they haven't even started yet properly like playing the way they played last year. We haven't even started yet purring in a way. And that like, that impressed me. Like I was like, yeah, he's right. He's right. We're not, I mean, he's Ian Wright. Of course he's right. But he's not. <laughs> that's really, that's really bad. <laughs> that's, that's really bad. It's, it's like, in a way, it's like really comforting because there's another gear to go because I, we saw it. And here's what impressed me about Arsenal. And then, and you have the defensive resilience that is there, which wasn't there last season. Here's what impressed me is after about 10 minutes against the, against Wolves. And I was watching that game quite attentively for some weird reason. (laughs) I texted you saying, you know how you said you were too young to watch United in 2007, eight, when they were so dominant, like let's say six to nine, maybe. Mm -hmm watching that Arsenal performance was exactly like watching that United team, how I remember it, at least. Complete and utter dominance, completely outplayed. Wolves, like, at some point, after, like, 25 minutes, the commentators were like, not even sure Ryan has touched a ball. And I was like, wait, what? Ah, I guess he hasn't. At the kickoff, at the kickoff. Once, you know. And... The impressive bit wasn't that because that's all fun and games. The impressive bit was that they were that they grinded it out in the end. You know, they played all the flashy football, they played all the suffocating football, they scored the two goals, and then they just made sure they get the job done. Yes, they should have scored more. Ketja hit the post. Yes, they made it awkward for themselves. But you yeah. never really worried, even when when wolves were going at them, even when wolves were throwing the kitchen sink at them. It it just it felt quite composed and just the fact that they could show those two faces in another decade in another sorry not another decade in another season arsenal bottled that game last year against what was it south no west ham away i think you would you drew yeah at the end of the season it was too much classic time. example where you start too like much. like the fucking in switzerland we say like the the firefighters you know you start like crazy and then you just you take your foot off the gas and you you fucking you fuck it up and in this case, it was no. I saw a different face there, and and that yeah. quite impressed me. Yeah, that was that. Imp- that I noticed that as well because after the second goal, like normally last season, we would like really go for them. Then again, and the next again, yeah. it almost seemed like there was like a, a, a reduction in percentage in a way. Yeah, like you you, they, you sort they, of they, realized you, could, you don't need there is Luton on Tuesday in a way exactly. Like, you, you you could feel that. Yeah, it it went from lads, let's score a third one and really like kill them to. Let's just yeah. not concede, and we can do that, and we're comfortable, yeah. and we don't get nervous, and yeah. that's what really impressed me. And that's why why I wanted to say, if Gabriel or Saliba is out, there is no way we're gonna win the Premier League. Like, yeah. forget about it. If yeah. if and I would even even put the rice in that category if yeah. Partey is is out as well. Yeah, there is no way. Forget it. Without Gabriel and Saliba, forget about it. it so that's why we're not. City can, when Okanji's injured, uh, Ake and Guardiola comes in, or like we're not that flexible. We yeah, have pe- people two. have been saying John Stones and Kevin De Bruyne are probably the best in their 
position yeah. in their line and, and they've just been missing. And they're still playing amazing, yeah. Yeah. But Gabriel and Saliba, and I think, and I said this, I think, a few weeks now, I think they're the best probably pairing in the league yeah. at the moment. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. I want to they're end so this show, this podcast. Let's not call ourselves a show. We're not brave enough to call ourselves a show. I want to end this Should discussion. we maybe say the, the order? Liverpool, Man City, mm, or No, because it's going to depress yeah, say, come me. On. It's going to depress me. It's going to depress no, me. No, so actually, it's interestingly hard. enough, I want to... I want to talk about Liverpool because we haven't really talked about Liverpool's title okay, credentials. Okay, after we can do it. Fair enough. Talk to me about Liverpool. Are they really that good? Yeah, they are. I'm afraid they are. I think they're the one thing that separates us from Liverpool is that they just have Mo Salah and we don't. Like, that's why they will, when they finish, that's the reason why they will finish above us and they have Van Dijk and they have Alisson. Like, these are like, and Trent as well. You can go on. These are like winners proven in their prime players, which they had a dip off their dip last year, but they know how to do it. And we don't. We don't know how to do it. So, yeah, that's... And they have Klopp. We don't have Klopp. I love Arteta, but you're not Klopp. And I think I think it's going to be really close between Arsenal and Liverpool for the second place. I do think that Arsenal has maybe a bit of more resistance, a bit of more uh, resistance in the midfield when Party gets back fit. If if McAllister is out, you don't have a natural six to replace him. So I think in January they have to get another six if they want to compete. So yeah, I think I think it's City and then it's Arsenal and Liverpool. I think is a is a is a toss of a coin to be honest. Fair enough. There we have your one, two, three. I'll probably go along with that. Actually, I think, I I think Arsenal. I would say one, two. I think two. I will be. I think I would say Arsenal. Barring any massive just, injury concerns, I think Arsenal yeah. will finish above Liverpool. Yeah, me too. I think just just above. I think. Yeah. Okay, my friend. That's all we have time for. I thank you very much. I thank all the listeners, and uh, mm. we'll be back. Let's let's do this more regularly now. Yeah. 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 Goodbye. <laughs>